<laughs> why why did you share it with the fathers why did i share it with the fathers because they're going to be speaking after you it would be good for them to know what's happening right 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 good right. for them to follow along yeah yeah i just noticed that we have anastasia young on the line well this is wonderful how are you it's so good to see you hi abuna i'm good it's so good to see you <laughs> it's wonderful to see you look at you off and healthy and smiling and everything that's great. well i'm i'm in amazing presence right now so of course i'm smiling yay <laughs> it's lovely. that's amazing it's early right now for you isn't it it's 9 a.m it's nine yeah okay cool cool very nice to see you dear wonderful to see you so have you have you been locked up with Tilo? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You are... My ticket my ticket to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the both of you very much. It's good to see you, sweet. It's good to see you over there. Father Joseph, uh, we're just gonna give people a few more minutes to to join us. We usually have about anywhere between twelve, fifteen people here on Zoom. And then uh, there's a whole bunch of other people who feel more comfortable following on Facebook. And uh, I'm going to tell you out of respect, because I love you, that we do record these sessions so we can share them with people who want, right? I probably should have told you that before you signed up for this. But now that we're recording, I know you won't. Yeah, <laughs> There he goes. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> we record audio only, Baba. Though you don't have to worry about the, <laughs> about, about the face appearing. We'll give everybody a few more minutes, guys, and then we'll go ahead uh, and kindly ask that the Holy Spirit to work in Father Joseph so he can have mercy on us and speak to us. <laughs> <laughs> and he's back. <sighs> yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't given an option. You know I would have said no, right? I, I, I'm being recorded, so I won't respond, but... <laughs> Okay, we. I think we're safe to start. Please uh, lead us in prayer and then kick us off. Okay, in the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. O Heavenly King, the Comfort of the Spirit of Truth, you who are in all places and fills all things, Treasury of blessing and Giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from all blemish, and save our souls, O Good One. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be among us and that you would fill each and every one of us. Pray that you would speak to us, convict us, guide us, and that we would draw upon your presence among us. We ask you, Lord, that you would be clear and that you would give us the experience of the kingdom within to know that it's possible to be with you. It's possible to be completely consecrated to you. And here's when we pray with thanksgiving, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, deliver us from evil. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Abba, do you want to like, do you want to share the kind of, because this is the first talk of the series, do you want to give any sort of... Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. Thank you, Abba. So, my beloved, we're about to begin a three-part series, and this three-part series is going to focus very much on the this idea of, actually, this is something that comes straight to us from the desert. We're going to be discussing something that has been granted down to come down to us from uh, St. Mark the Ascetic, as well as Evagrius of Ponticus, which is this whole idea of spiritual warfare. But more specifically, we're going to discuss spiritual warfare from the perspective of the six steps that lead to temptation, that eventually will lead to full and utter uh, a development of a passion within the human being or an addiction or whatever that may be. We have three great fathers who are going to be speaking to us throughout the series. The first one is with us right here, uh, the, the all-holy Abba Joseph from St. Mark and St. Mary of Egypt of Ottawa. Next week, God willing, we will have Father Carlos Murad from Montreal who will join us, and he will speak to us about the following two steps that lead to temptation, or that lead to full addiction. And then finally, we'll have Father Anthony Paul who will conclude the series for us um, and that we will have covered all six steps that lead to the development of a passion. And the reason we call it spiritual warfare is obviously there's, there's two aspects to this the fathers are going to discuss to us. The first one is understanding the theory, how the process happens. But more importantly, it's not only just to be able to educate ourselves as to how it is we are tempted. Uh, it's actually for us to be able to then develop the virtues necessary to be able to combat this, to identify what's happening within our lives so that we can eventually fight back, so we can eventually have a way to be able to escape this temptation and find salvation in the protection of the Holy Spirit. So today, Father Joseph is actually going to be leading us uh, in our conversation on the first two steps that, um, that, that are defined within the teachings of the desert. And the first two are going to be provocation and disturbance, or bait and disturbance, depending on the vocabulary that we choose. So Father Joseph is going to kick us off today. Thank you, Abba, for being with us so much. Thanks, Abba. Okay, so um, when I, I have to be honest, when I saw the poster uh, of David and Goliath, and then this big title, Spiritual Warfare, I'm like, oh, interesting. I have no clue about this stuff. And, uh, and the reality is, um, you know, when we think of spiritual warfare, we are often kind of led to these ascetic visions of St. Anthony the Great and the demons that he was battling. Or I don't know if any of you have seen the Padre Pio movie where Padre Pio gets thrown around and uh, by the demons. That's not what we're talking about. Actually, spiritual warfare, uh, uh, it actually all happens well, not all, but mostly happens in the arena of the mind. It's actually at the, at, it's at the thought level that we find the majority of our struggle and our battle. And it's, it's probably those who have kind of already perfected the mental arena battle that then get into the heart battle, then that get into the spiritual warfare with demons and so on. So thankfully... I have no clue about the latter two, uh, but we can definitely talk today about the, the mental arena where spiritual warfare happens. Now, having said that, <clears throat> battling at the men mental arena is not a lesser place of battle. On the contrary, it is the beginning. It is, it's where it all begins. And it's, it's, 
<laughs> without this type of struggle, without this type of battle, we actually have nothing. A lot of times we have um, these conflicting messages about salvation, about the love of God, about uh, uh, redemption, where we have this kind of um, language, which is proper language and good language, where we, we talk about salvation as a gift. We talk about redemption as a gift. And because we live in a world, sorry, this is a bit of a backdrop before we get into the actual uh, steps, but because we live in a world where really everything happens at the level of, of ideas and thoughts, we, we have this feeling or desire or wish that salvation was like uh, this button that I can just press and then, you know, the latte is made and salvation's given and we're done and we're good. I'm good. Jesus saved me. Jesus loves me. I'm good. That's it. There's really nothing to do. But anyone that's read the New Testament is faced with all this, like all these teachings and all these, uh, you know, invitations from God saying, I want you to be holy just as your father in heaven is holy. I want you to be merciful just as your father in heaven is merciful. I want you to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. I want you to love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. If someone sues you and takes away your tunic, I want, him, I want you to give your cloak also. I want you to go the extra mile. I want you to be holy. And so we have this dichotomy, this, this, uh, this imbalance where we wish and hoped that salvation was this free gift that, okay, now I'm saved, I'm, it's all good, yay, it's a gift, I have to do nothing with the realization that there is a standard, there is a calling to become just like Christ. For we were predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, as it says in Romans chapter eight. So, so on the one hand, we're, we have this idea that salvation is a gift, but we also have this calling, this vocation to become conformed to the image of God. And the one thing that, people really don't want to do or struggle with is the idea of work. Yes, salvation is a gift, but we need to work. We need to labor in order to accept and receive this salvation. We must labor and strive, the Lord says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Right? He says strive. It's not just like a walk in the park and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you have a new mind and everything's good and you just love everybody. No, no, we're, we actually have to strive towards entering through the narrow gate, through this new life, this holy life. So this is something that, that the, like, like uh, uh, Abba Anthony of Ottawa mentioned that, that it's, it's, this teaching comes from the desert because it's a, these people these desert dwellers, these monks, these ascetics were very familiar with the work of salvation. They were very familiar with the labor of salvation. So just to be very clear, this, this teaching from St. Mark the Ascetic has these six steps. And I'll, I'll share the six steps. And it begins with, it's the six steps of, of temptation or of sin, the stages of sin. It begins with provocation or suggestion, 
So provocation. The second one is disturbance. The third is coupling. The fourth is ascent. The fifth is prepossession or habit. And the sixth is the, um, the passion itself. And so what this is like is um, what, what these masters, what these ascetics, what these monks have done is they've actually just kind of like slowed down the process to understand that having studied the human soul, they've, they've watched and understood what's actually happening when we sin from having no passions to having passions. You know, we, we, they've studied and they've described to us what, what is going on. One of my favorite analogies is um, uh, when a magician does a magic trick, right? They always, they, they always say, oh, it's just sleight of hand, right? You, you do a card trick and you're always like distracting people so that they're not looking at what's happening. Ooh, look here and you have conversations and you're distracting people so they don't, they don't actually see what you're doing with your hands very quickly. But with, you know, video editing software now, if a magician were to do his trick uh, on, on, on the camera, in front of the camera, then you'd be able to slow it right down and see exactly every move and every step of what they're doing in order to dissect what's happening. And it's funny because Satan is like that magician who's been tricking us for centuries. We go from a temptation to a sin and we're like, I don't know how, how did I get here? Like, how, how is it that I'm, I just ate four Big Macs? Like, how, how did that happen? Like, I saw a sign on the, on the highway and now I, I'm, I'm gonna explode with, and I have to finish my milkshake. And I don't know what to, what happened? What happened from the sign of the Big Mac, the McDonald's or like a tr McDonald's truck driving by, or even just the smell of fries from the car to, to having the, what's going on. So what the fathers have done, what, what St. Mark the Ascetic has done is he's literally turned it into slow motion so we can watch and observe what's happening. And let me tell you, uh, I've got some really good card tricks. In fact, it's funny, I, I did a card trick to, a, to an old tant in, uh, in Egypt. And uh, after I did the trick, she just basically did the sign of the cross and she said, you're possessed, get out of here. This is magic, get away. I'm like, no, 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 tant. Like, honestly, I'll show you. She would not accept seeing the trick. I'm like, no, no, honestly, like, I'm just sliding the card down and giving you a different card. Like, there's, there's nothing to it. There's that extreme, but, but I've also had people who are just sitting there and staring at my magic tricks. And it's super annoying because once you know the trick, they treat you like you're nothing. Before they were like, they were like amazed. Wow, what an amazing magic trick. Once you know the trick, the person in front of you is all of a sudden empowered to mock you and to be like, hey, whatever, it's not a big deal. You're not going to get me anymore. Well, that's exactly what I'm hoping happens with us as we begin to understand how Satan has been tricking us and we slow down the process of, of temptation, then we can begin to deal with it. Why is this so important? Because many of us have kind of given up on the idea of purification. Many of us have given up on the idea that holiness and sanctity is possible. Many of us have kind of just accepted many sins in our lives. I'm a glutton. 
what you gonna, I'm an angry person. What are you going to do about it? Like, it's just who I am. I'm angry, right? I, 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 uh, I'm lazy. Bummer. I, I don't know how to pray and whatever. I really can't stand this or that. So whatever the sin or the passion is, this series, I'm so excited that Father Anthony is doing this, is because hopefully this series is going to give us a chance to begin to believe that it's possible to follow the commandments of God in the scripture, that it's possible to live a life of purity, that it's possible to love our enemies, it's possible to respond with gentleness when we want to explode. Um, so we're going to slow down the magician's work. We're going to slow down temptation. The first four steps, the first four steps, I'm not going to be talking about them, but just kind of really quickly. Provocation, disturbance, coupling, and ascent. We're only going to be looking today at provocation and disturbance. But those first four steps, provocation, disturbance, coupling, and ascent. Coupling is when you begin to like the idea and kind of accept the idea. Ascent is when you actually do the sin and you ascend to it and you do it. And then habit and, and passion are the last two. But the first four can happen very, very quickly. Okay? So from provocation to ascent, it can happen very, very, it could be uh, two seconds, right? But the good news about that is as quickly as those can happen, it's also that quickly to overcome it. Whereas when we're now in prepossession or habit or passion, those require far, far longer, far more work to heal from. So I, I have the easy work today of discussing the first two because there is so much success that you can experience from the first two within the level of provocation and disturbance. So let's begin. Provocation. What is provocation? Another word that's often used is the word suggestion. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a suggestion. It's, uh, uh, and it can come in any form. Uh, it can be, uh, let's say, uh, let, give a really basic example. Let's say you're on a diet and you see a chocolate chip cookie, okay? Let's just put, that's, that chocolate chip cookie in and of itself hasn't done anything. It hasn't said anything, it hasn't put on lights, it hasn't said, hey, yo, you know, eat me, nothing. And, and yet, because of our own predispositions, because of our state in life, because of what we're striving for, because of our desire for, for weight loss or whatever is it, it is in this example, when we see a, a cookie in and of itself, it's saying it's a, it's a suggestion. It's a, it's a provocation. You get the idea. Hey, hey, that sure looks really good, right? So it all happens at the thought level. Whether it's an image that you see, whether it's an emotion that you feel, whether it's a radio song that you've heard, uh, whether it's a McDonald's truck driving by, it happens at the level of the senses, and then it also happens at the level of the thoughts. There is a suggestion that's being made. It's very possible to see that cookie and be completely unattached to it and not care about it, and it does nothing for you. So at that point, it's not a suggestion. 
like let's say you're deathly allergic to pomegranates, right? And someone offers you pomegranates, you're not gonna be like, oh no, woe is me. What, what am I gonna do now? Please, not the pomegranates. You don't care about the pomegranates. You don't like what they taste like. If someone offered you like a, some rotten fish, I mean, some cultures like it, but let's say someone offered you a, a, a dead rotten fish for the last two weeks and it's been just, it smells like dead animal and they offer it to you, you're probably gonna walk away unless it's, you know, Easter Monday, then <laughs> you might consider it. But anyways, the point is this, if there's no like real attach, it's not really a suggestion, it's not really a provocation. What's interesting is that as human beings, we, what, <laughs> what's this? <laughs> what did I do? Physique? Yeah, okay. I mean, people are into botulism, whatever. It's, it's your thing. Okay, so um, uh, the, the crazy thing about humans is they've, they've, they've said that humans have 30 to 50,000 thoughts a day. 30 to 50,000 thoughts a day. And we're often unaware of the majority of them. And it's interesting because we're actually quite familiar with ignoring, you know, 29,000 thoughts a day. You know, we know how to ignore thoughts. Ideas come from all around and we know how not to do anything about them. So at the stage of provocation, at the, state, at the stage of suggestion, there is no sin. This is very important to understand that at this point, you still haven't sinned. If you are driving and you see the McDonald's truck and you'd be like, oh, that looks good. You haven't sinned yet. Not that, I mean, McDonald's is kind of a sin, but like, not that McDonald's is a sin. Let's, let's go. I'm just using it as an example. But um, having a thought of wanting to punch somebody out, that thought in and of itself is not a sin. It's just a suggestion. It's just an idea that's come. Now, how do we know that it's not sinful? From a theological perspective, when you look at uh, Hebrews chapter four, my most overquoted passage uh, that I always use for almost every single sermon is, is this passage in Hebrews four, where we, we find out that Jesus is, is a high priest who can sympathize with us. I'm gonna read it for you. Seeing then that we, are, that we have a, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin. So if he was tempted in all things and yet was without sin, then we know that the, the temptation was at the level of suggestion. It was at the level of the thought. We see this in the encounter with Satan in the desert. He's baptized. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He doesn't eat or drink for 40 days. And all of a sudden, Satan comes and says, hey, you're hungry. Let me help you out. Why don't you take this stone and turn it into bread? So was he tempted? Yeah, absolutely. That's what it says. He was tempted in all things just like we are. 
but he was without sin. So that means that suggestion that comes to the mind is still not a sin. The problem is we move along that spectrum of provocation, disturbance, coupling, and ascent so quickly, we're not used to slowing it down, that, that we go from provocation to sin in a, in a moment. But because the Lord Jesus and, and all those who take their spiritual life seriously, those who are striving for holiness, those who are pursuing uh, 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 you know, a life of watchfulness and mindfulness and prayerfully desiring to consecrate their lives to God, those who are laboring and working at their salvation, well, they're aware. They, they're, they, they notice the suggestion, but they don't do anything about it. Now, sometimes sometimes we're good at at uh rejecting these thoughts let me give you great examples okay have you ever been or have you ever had the suggestion come to your mind to wake up early and pray <laughs> isn't it amazing how good you are at ignoring that one have you ever been provoked to read the bible <laughs> And it's, it's funny because we're just like, yeah, 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 tomorrow. I know obviously when Lent begins. Oh, Lent ended? That's a good year before I have to start. No problem. Right? We, ha- we are masters at ignoring thoughts. Right? So I know that we're, we're talking about temptation here, but it's, it's good to become aware of how we have thoughts throughout the, the day, some good, some bad. But if you don't do anything about them, they're just thoughts. They're just ideas. They have no power over us. So how do we deal with provocation? Because sometimes provocation becomes quite a bit of a consistent problem. Sometimes we have what I call, or people call, obsessive thoughts. Right? Let's say, let's say you see something that you don't want to see, or you, you get a thought that you don't want to have. Let's pretend you're on your way to church. And you have this thought, oh my goodness, I can't stand the deacon's voices, okay? Or I really hope so-and-so is not there because they drive me nuts. So you try to ignore the thought. You're like, whatever, I'm not going to think about this. But then all of a sudden, the next suggestion comes, that person is probably going to be there. And I don't care if they're there or not. And then the next thought comes and the next thought comes and it becomes this continuous uh, 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 barrage of thoughts. So one of my favorite analogies in understanding how to deal with provocation, specifically that first step, is the analogy of the bully. A bully that comes to your door, what do you do? If a bully comes to your door, and knocks and says, I want to beat the lights out of you. What do you do? It's not a trick question. Do you open the door? Or do you lock the door? Right? You lock the door and you leave the bully out. You can bark all you want, but there's actually no danger. And, and in this analogy, it's very important to understand that we ourselves are a house. And we have doors. We have doors. We have doors. And we can keep those doors closed. 
no matter how much a suggestion comes, we have the ability to keep the door closed. Now, there's two things that really feed a thought, that give power to a thought. Still, we're still here at the level where there's no sin. We're still at provocation. We're still at suggestion. There's two things that feed a thought. And, and I've seen this from experience, and I've seen it through, uh, throughout so many people's struggles. But, but the two things that feed a thought are attention and emotion. Attention and emotion. We'll do a little exercise. Are you ready? Don't think about a pink elephant. What are you thinking about? A pink elephant. Isn't that fascinating? So <laughs> when a thought comes and we give it attention, it's like, it's like fuel for a thought. So Bully Knox comes to the door and he's yelling. If you were just to not give him attention and walk away and go have a bowl of cereal, nothing's going to happen. But if you look through the window, and you start looking and seeing like what's going on. Is he really, do you think he has a, a key set where he maybe has my key? Maybe he's going to come in. I'm not really sure what's happening. What are you doing? You're way more likely to open the door if you give the bully attention, if you listen to what he's saying. If, you know, he's like, I'm not going to beat you up today. I'm going to beat up somebody else. That's beautiful. Okay, great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out your brother. And you're like, oh, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I should let him in so he can beat up my brother today. Right? So, so if you give a thought attention, it grows in power. It becomes a lot more bold. But if you don't give a thought attention, then it has no choice but eventually to disappear. The second thing, which is a lot more powerful, is emotion. Any kind of emotion, any kind of reactive emotion to a thought feeds it like crazy. And people often struggle with very many different kinds of thoughts, whether they're thoughts of anger, thoughts of lust, thoughts of greed, thoughts of revenge, thoughts of resentment. And what makes those provocations or those suggestions so sticky is emotion. And I'm going to say something that maybe is a little like, um, uh, you know, scandalous, but even emotion in praying about the thought can be something that's very dangerous. So for example, you have a lustful thought comes to your mind. And your reaction is, oh, no, not again. What's going on? What's the thought? Fear. What's the feeling? Fear. That fear can feed and give attention to that thought so it can grow. Oh, Lord Jesus, please help me overcome this one particular thought and this one image that's in my mind that I can't stop thinking about. Lord, you know that one? Please, Lord, please help me. Why aren't you helping me, Lord? What are you doing? You're feeding the actual thought. Even though you think you're talking to the Lord, what are you doing? You're giving the thought attention and you're giving the thought emotion. And so what does the thought do? It, is, it, it, establish, it establishes itself. It becomes strong. It becomes more powerful. The suggestion grows. 
So knowing that thought, sorry, knowing that attention and emotion, both those things feed, are like fuel for a thought. Then their opposites are there to help us overcome temptation right at the very first stage. By the way, this is where the majority of the spiritual victory happens. It doesn't happen at the point of disturbance or coupling or scent or habit. It's too late. The majority of the victories that we will experience in the spiritual warfare happens right at the first moment of suggestion, of provocation. This is where the victories happen. So when I choose not to give a thought attention or emotion, what happens? The thought loses its power. It loses its power instantly. It'll come back. It'll spin back. and It'll come back. But if I again say, you know, actually, no thanks. I'm not interested. I often do this with people who confess with me. I, I, this is gross, but I offer them uh, to take a bite out of my sandals. I say, hey, what, would you like a bite out of my sandal? And they just look at me like I'm absolutely nuts. And they're right, I mean, partially right, but whatever. But all of you who agreed, I forgive you. Anyways, so, so I, offer them, I offer them a bite of my, of my, my sandals and they're like, um, no, no, thanks, not interested. And I teach them that that is exactly how you respond to a thought. No, thank you. No emotion, no attention, no fear, no like, oh no, what's gonna happen? I saw the, I saw the McDonald's truck. Oh no, what's gonna happen? You're, you're already entering into the second stage, which is disturbance. By providing attention to a thought and then, and then adding to that emotion, you're already moving down the spectrum. You're already giving it power. But if a thought comes to you and you're like, actually, no thanks, not interested, moving along, then you literally slam the door in the bully's face and he, has, he can't believe he's stunned. Even if it's something that you're used to saying yes to or that you're used to being afraid of or fighting against, at that very first stage, if you deny it emotion and you deny it attention, you have the ability to move on. It's actually an incredibly powerful tool. There are other tools to be used. One of the ways of, of actually, you know, after you've said no thank you, after you've been like cold with the thought and have given it no attention, now at that point is the time to give your attention and to give your emotion to something else, right? At, at, after you've had the initial provocation, the initial suggestion, you see the McDonald's truck or you see an inappropriate image, you say, no, thank you, I'm not interested. Now you can actually turn and say, actually, Lord, what I really want is you. Actually, Lord, what I really want is a life of purity. Lord, what I really want is to lose weight, so I'm not interested. No, I, I, thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding me what I really want.
So I, I'm only talking at the stage of provocation. The thought comes, you don't give it attention, you don't give it emotion, and then, and then you actually turn your attention and give your emotion to something else. And that's why if you have like this peace in your heart where you turn and you say, actually, Lord, what I really want is you, I often encourage people at that point to smile, to smile at the Lord. Why? Because it adds that emotional, uh, uh, that emotional energy, that emotional boost to the right thought, to the good thought, to the right attention, to the right person. It's like having, it's like having this, this icon or this image or this schema of thoughts being the home, the bully outside. It's like you hear the bully outside, you shut the door, and then you remember that you have a guest with you. And this guest happens to be like the strongest man in the world. And you turn your attention and be like, actually, it's you that I want to be with. I'm not really concerned about the bully outside. Look, this, this, this is tried and tested and true. If you shut the door on the bully without giving him attention or emotion, it has no power over you. There is no thought that can force itself upon you without you giving it permission. Every time, that means every time we've been suggested sin and we've sinned, we somehow have opened the door for it. It's important to come to that realization. It's important to come to that, that awareness. Every time I've sinned, it started with a suggestion. And I have, in a fraction of a second, ascended to it, assented to it. We've, we, I've committed to it. I've said yes to it. I've accepted it. I've embraced it. And I've done it. Here enters the, the, the need for labor, the desire for purity, the desire to become holy, the desire to be not okay with that final result. I'm not okay with it. Well, you could be not okay with it your whole life and still never overcome it. But what needs to happen is, okay, I'm now becoming aware of every provocation and every provocation comes that comes my way. I'm going to say, I'm not interested. No, thank you. Not an option for me. I'm cold hearted towards sin. I hate it. I'm not interested. The Lord actually does this so beautifully when he is tempted and in Matthew chapter four, he, he's, he's offered uh, uh, bread, stone, turn this stone into bread. Man shall not live by bread alone. What's he doing in that? He's turning his attention away from the suggestion. He's not looking at his hunger. The Lord's not looking at his hunger. He's turning his attention to God. And he knows exactly that the, he's using the scripture in order to overcome the false or the lie that was being presented to him. I remember going to my spiritual father once and telling him, Buna, I talk too much. And then he just looked at me and he said, oh Lord, set a guard over my mouth. And I was like, oh, is that it? <laughs> 
He's like, yeah, every time you want to talk, just say that prayer. The Lord set a guard over my mouth. So you use scripture and you give your attention to God with emotion towards God, towards the truth. And that cuts the temptation or the suggestion. It cuts the suggestion. I'm not interested. No, thank you. First, declare your disinterest, your dispassion, your, no, no, it's not an option for me. Oh, I don't do that. I, I don't know if, if you, um, you, you know how like, it, like the whole digital world is based on ones and zeros? Like, it's like a binary thing, right? And the whole thing, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I used to build websites, but I, have, I never went into like the theory behind it. But from what I understand, it's all either yes or no. There's no emotion about it. It's binary. It's ones and zeros. And sometimes we have to be kind of robotic like that about our thoughts. Hey, you should judge. Nope, I don't do that. Hey, um, that cookie looks amazing. Sorry, I don't do sugar. So simple. It's not an option. It's not an option in my life. So if every thought, every provocation, every suggestion was dealt with by not giving it attention and by not giving it emotion, then there is, there is hope to divert a lot of our sinful uh, patterns. Like I said earlier, breaking predispositions and removing passions is a lot more work. I'm talking about the first stage before you have habit and passion. I'm gonna leave that for the more experienced fathers to address in the next coming weeks. But you know, it doesn't take long for a habit to be formed as humans. It doesn't take, it doesn't take long. One thought, one suggestion that we keep feeding and feeding and feeding Ascending, uh, assenting to it, playing around with it in our, in our minds, and then doing it over and over. Within no time, we become, uh, uh, um, you know, we have this, this pattern developed in our lives. But I want to say also that the opposite is true. We can develop a habit of not being interested in sinful thoughts. We can develop a habit of being disinterested, of being dispassionate, of being sober and aware when the suggestion comes and saying, I'm not interested. Now, where people often fail or struggle is being consistent with the, I'm not interested. People feel like, okay, I've said I'm not interested 10 times. Well, all it takes is an 11th to win. Well, I've said it a hundred times. Well, you would have probably fallen at the 101st time. So you need to say it one more time. That's the key. Is the labor, the work of salvation requires us to be diligent, to be fervent, to be rejecting. Look, St. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity 
to the obedience of Christ. St. Paul is saying is, I'm going to fight against every thought. I'm not going to accept any thought that goes against Christ. So that is provocation. That is suggestion. What is disturbance? Disturbance is when you get caught off guard. You open the door of the house, the metaphorical house, and the bully is standing right there. And before you have the ability to be sober, to be saying, no, thank you, I'm not interested, to go through that, when you open the door and the bully is there, there's like a a knee-jerk reaction that happens to us. So this is called the disturbance. This is the emotion. This is the opening the door, the bully's there, and you're coming to slam the door, and you hear him saying, wait, 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 just wait, just wait. Trust me, it's different this time. You need this. You still shut the door, but his voice is still ringing in your ears. This is disturbance. And why is it disturbance is because sometimes, because this is how we're made, we get caught off guard. You're happily doing your work on the internet and boom, right there all of a sudden, there's a really provocative image. And you're like, whoa, I wasn't ready for that. Maybe you had overeaten before that. And so the passions are already stirring inside. And you see this image and you're like, oh, oh, not ready for that. And you turn away. But what happens is the image is still suggesting in your mind. Now, the good news is up until this point, even at the point of disturbance, it's still not considered sin. Because you haven't given your will over to it. But is sin closer? You better believe it. You better believe it. Sin is is right there at the door. When Cain decided that he wanted, he was so angry with his brother Abel because his offering was not accepted, but Abel's offering was accepted the Lord comes to him and says, listen, sin is knocking at your door. Sin is knocking. He's like, why has your countenance fallen? Why is your face down? Why has you, what, what has changed? Disturbance. He's so upset. That's why the, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. It's possible to be so disturbed by something and to not sin. Now, the fight against disturbance is far more difficult than if it was just a simple provocation. And the reason is that thoughts move from the simple realm to the complex realm. Let me explain. If, back to the, back to the dieting example, if you're trying to lose weight, right? and there's a cheesecake in front of you. It's just a cheesecake. It's a simple thought. Binary reaction, no thank you, not interested. It's not an option, I'm not having any dairy. There's gluten, it's got sugar. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight, so it's not an option. Do you guys have any fruits? Turn your attention to something else, you're good, okay? When you had a dream about cheesecake, 
okay? So you slept, you had a dream that you were eating the most amazing cheesecake and you woke up and you can still taste it in your mouth. And then you come out of the room and you're like, surprise, we got your favorite cheesecake. We figured it's a cheat day. Do you want cheesecake? What happens? Disturbance happens, right? Unexpected. And, and uh, it's no longer just a cheesecake. So the thought, the provocation becomes complicated, becomes complex because attached to the thought of the cheesecake is all these other emotions, all this complexity. And that's what makes it a disturbing thought. Well, if I don't eat it, well, what happens? But I really need it. I've been so good, but I don't want, I don't want it. You still haven't sinned. You haven't said I'm having it. But what happens is we're a little more shaken. So one of the things when we experience disturbance, we need to be a little more violent about our fighting. So if, if, if you're like, um, you know, like if you're thinking about a fight and someone just like pushes you, well, you just push back, that's it. If someone slugs you and gives you like, punches you across the head, you're not gonna be like, oh, let me push him back. No, you need, you need to fight with more violence. So you meet, you meet the level of disturbance with the same amount of violence. So if you are literally caught off guard and you see something that is just, it, it shatters you. Well, you need to fight that disturbance with that much more violence. Now, the way to fight is often as it has a physical reaction on you, you also need to respond with a physical violence. And by that, I mean doing the sign of the cross. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Please, Lord, save me. Get up, leave, go somewhere else. Cool down, get your attention, get your, get your footing again. Be angry, but don't sin, right? It's like uh, you're having a conversation with a friend, and then all of a sudden, the topic of a third person is there. This person, third person that's not there comes up. And then all of a sudden you're getting all these juicy details of all the things that you want to just roast that person because they've been such a pain in your side and you want to have a prayer meeting because of all their shortcomings, <laughs> right? That is disturbing. So the violence you need to act with when you get that kind of suggestion for sin be like, oh, sorry, I really got to go. Forgive me. I need, to, I need to go do something quickly. I'll call you back later. And you hang up. You don't give yourself the opportunity. That is how you can act violently towards sin. If you are past the point of just a suggestion, but you actually are like, oh, my goodness, it would be so good to do this. When you get to that point where you're disturbed and you're like, you're losing the ability to say no to it, get up change environments, hang the phone up if it's that situation. If it's something on the computer that pops up, turn your computer off, go for a run, get out of there. Don't think about it. Move, violence, violence. The kingdom of heaven suffers, suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11 something, okay? So it's there in Matthew 11. 
And he's talking about St. John. The Lord was talking about St. John the Baptist. He's like, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothing? A man living in palaces? A reed shaken by the wind? No. He's the greatest one born out of women. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This force is what spiritual warfare is all about. Now, we saw what provocation is. We saw what disturbance is. There is, there is the positive side to this. So, so there is the, the other side that really, really St. Paul was like a, he, I mean, he's a master at so many things, but he really understood spiritual warfare. So many times he tells his people, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He's not talking about having like a, okay, guys, what do you guys want to sing tonight? And then we all sing these. It's not a time for, that's not what he means. He's saying psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What he's saying is create a spiritual environment in your mind. Allow, allow your thought world to be filled with purity, filled with pure thoughts, filled with holy thoughts, filled with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making, um, uh, uh, um, like making a melody in your heart towards God. So if you look at Philippians chapter 4, after he exhorts us to be anxious for nothing, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And he's saying this beautiful peace that you can have by just turning your attention to God and by praying. Okay, we, we did that. Then what? Now what? Why am I still anxious? Okay, I prayed about it, but why am I still anxious? Why am I still finding myself tempted with thoughts of, of fear and stress? And why am I still angry about this? What's going on? He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He's saying, fill your mind with the truth. Fill your mind with beauty. Look, you know, um, this is a sad story, but uh, there was this one guy that I kept running into uh, uh, at a Tim Hortons next to our church in, in Mississauga, next to the chapel. I love this guy. This guy was so beautiful, but he was incredibly poor. And so, you know, his pants were torn, his shoes were ripped he smelled horrible to be honest he smelled really really horrible and i sat next to him and i and i asked him i said hey can can i uh can i get you anything can i buy you a pair of shoes can i get you a pair of pants he's like no i'm fine i don't want anything i'm good i have i have enough i ate this morning i'm good and i'm just like no you're not okay you're not okay and uh this person kind of called me over and said, hey, that's, I won't say his name, but, uh, and 
I've, I've been kind of trying to take care of him for the last several years. He has nobody in his life. He lives in the trailer park down there. I said, well, I, I'm not okay with his, how he's living. I, I, I want to help him. Anyways, long story short, he finally agrees. He needs, I find out what he needs is a phone in case of an emergency. So we had this awesome person at our parish who got a phone, got him a SIM card and said, here, just bring it to him. So I went to the trailer park and when he opened the door, I have never seen any living conditions like that. Right when he opened the door, I was overwhelmed with a smell of, of urine. There was food and junk piled in the whole trailer. Like it was uninhabitable. And, and, and eventually, eventually he had to be taken out like by force and they had to clean the whole thing out. He died shortly after. But I couldn't come near that. I couldn't come near that that door. And I, I took a step back and I'm like, how does this man live in that junk? How does he live there? How does he sleep there? It's it's it smelled horrible. It like it was disgusting. It was really, really sad. And I was I'm like, how can anyone survive in that kind of environment? It's no different than the environment of our minds. It's no different. We fill our minds with junk. And so when a provocation comes, it's just part of the decor. We don't even realize it. If I walked into that man's house, no one would notice but if i walk into a pristine a pristine home it's perfectly clean intained and i walk in and i have a little speck of dust and went like that what happened the maids would come running quickly and cleaning. Oh, oh, don't worry, just, you can just take your shoes off at the door. Sorry, we just try to make everything clean. Sorry, we're, right? Our mental world is no different. If we fill our minds with junk, when, when junk is suggested, we won't even be the more aware of it to, to, to say, no, I'm not interested. It'll just fit in. So St. Paul tells us, make your mind a beautiful, spiritual, peaceful environment so that when a provocation comes, when a suggestion comes that's out of place, that does not fit, then you'll know what to do with it. There's no room for it. Hymns and spiritual songs, making a melody in your heart for the Lord. The Lord has called us to a life of sinlessness, of holiness, of consecration to him. Make your mind and your thought life a beautiful place for him. Make it his home so that when any thoughts or questions
Luna, I have a question, but you're cutting in and out, so I'm praying that I'll be able to hear you. Um, thank you, first of all. Thank you so much. Um, I find myself that, that, and this is the weakness is 100% me, uh, but if I am around other humans, any other humans, I find myself uh, gossiping, getting frustrated, angry, lusting, whatever. So I find myself like running from humans. I, I spent so much time at work just eating lunch in my office so I wouldn't go to the break room and find myself participating in gossip or rude joking or whatever. And that's not on them, that's on me. But there's only so much I can hide. Um, I just, I kind of don't know what to do. So, so the definition of disturbance. Can you guys hear me or not yet? No, we can hear you, Abba, but it keeps cutting in and out. Uh, I'm going to try to go into a, a better. Okay, sorry, you mean Okay, I'm just out. I'm going to switch to hotspot. of an environment that is disturbing. And so there's nothing wrong with at first separating yourself. There's nothing wrong with being apart at first. But what you're working towards is becoming or having a spiritual environment within yourself, within your mind, within your heart that eventually spills over towards them. Right? So there's nothing wrong with at first if it's so disturbing that you you find your peace on your own and spend you know maybe two minutes with them at first and you find your 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 time uh to be a time of just loving them of just listening to them of not judging them of recognizing how much grace you've received by being uh, uh you know baptized and filled with the spirit so so but just little by little, little by little. Um, and like you said, the, the, the defect is in us, not, not in them. And that's why you look at, you know, the Lord gets invited to a party at, at Levi's house. And he's hanging out with, with, you know, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. And the Pharisees are like, what is wrong with your master? And he's like, he's not affected by it, right? He has such, such a presence, such a peace, that he's the light in the darkness. And, and, and you see that with the saints. Eventually, you'll find the saints being around anybody and not affected, but rather affecting their environment. Thank you. We, we have a question that was submitted. If you don't mind, I'll ask it. Uh, the question says, 
if a predisposition or a passion has already settled in, does the saying no at that level of the first two steps, what you call the easy levels, does it affect what's already settled or built up inside me? Definitely, definitely. In, in fact, uh, I, I believe that the only difference between, there's a couple of differences, sorry, between it being a new sin that you're being approached with versus a, a habitual sin or a passion that's already uh, developed, there's two things that are different. Number one is the awareness of it, you know, uh, the slowing down. You have to be way more intentional to become aware of all the triggers uh, because you're so used to going from one thing, from step one to step five, that it's almost like there's a, a neuro path in your brain. McDonald's truck, I'm at four Big Macs, already done. What happened in between? So it's, it's being able to identify the triggers that lead you to that. And that takes time with your father of confession and kind of with yourself, even if you have to journal and say, okay, I'm going to journal every time I've fallen into this sin, what's actually triggering me? What's happened before? So becoming aware of that is the, the first big difference, is finding out the triggers and, and, and reprogramming yourself so that when I see a truck, my response is no thank you. When I pass by a McDonald's sign, I remember my goal, right? Uh, and I'm using the food as a, as a, you know, as a, as a schema for all, all types of sins. The second difference is that your suggestions will sometimes feel like a machine gun. And so your response needs to be machine gun-like as well, right? So if you're so used to something, the first time you say, I'm not interested, the thought isn't gonna just leave you, it's gonna come back. So your responsibility or your response to that at the level of provocation and disturbance is I'm not interested, no thank you. Uh, you know, I've had to say no thank you sometimes 10, 15 times a minute. Still works. No thank you. I'm not interested. Not an option for me. Ones and zeros. <laughs> Sorry. That's a no, nope, not doing that. I used to. Oh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, maybe I'll try that tomorrow. Right? The stuff we do with, with good provocations is a really good thing to use for bad ones. Hey, why don't you pray tonight? How about you fast? Well, next week. How about you read the Bible tomorrow? So even with sin, there's a million ways to be dispassionate about them. So, but the difference is you have to be more persistent. You have to be persistent. You have to fight longer. But the strategy is the same and it lasts. Like as long as you're saying, I'm not interested, nothing can happen. As long as you're not opening the door for the bully, nothing can happen. Nothing can happen. So right. Abba, what, what would you say to someone who would argue that I'm simply incapable of identifying these steps as they happen? Because you're speaking of, you know, as if I already have this awareness, right? Does, does this mean that now that I've heard you say this, that suddenly I'll become aware? Like what, what if I can't identify these steps? Yeah, I, I think it's super important that you sit with your father of confession and, and work through what the triggers are. Right. Because because I know that um, I know that there are, you know, for certain categories of sins, there's very, very typical types of triggers. So we work with those first. 
And as you're experiencing success in that, you may fall into something else from a different trigger. We add that to the repertoire. So your father confession should have a kind of bigger picture of the repertoire of triggers based on their experience of counseling people through this, right? Uh, I'm not saying that all of a sudden you'll become fully aware, but it's good to when you've, when you've, let's say, fallen into gluttony, okay, you've experienced, now you know that you've, okay, I've already done the gluttony thing, okay, I get it. I, I'm sitting with the four Big Macs. Well, stop, look back, trace it, find out what happened at that moment. Instead of sitting in shame and in guilt, I can't believe I did this. This is all part of the, the negative thought loop, which just makes you do it more often, by the way. I can't believe I did this. I'm such a horrible person. Jesus must hate me and uh, all that stuff. Stop saying, wow, look at where I am here. Okay, what happened? And become aware. Okay, oh, that was my trigger this time. Okay, well, next time I have that, if that's the first thought that came to my mind, I'm gonna make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm practicing this. I'm not interested, no thank you, at, when it comes to that. Now, now the, the thing with this is that people are a lot more self-aware than they, they, they would like to admit. Because self-awareness means I'm aware that I'm actually exercising my will to sin. And that hurts a lot more. We like to pretend like we're just